Emergency, the exits are here, 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 anywhere. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? We dance, we kiss, we schmooze, we carry on, we go home happy. What do you say? Come on. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Welcome to the Disney Guys Uncensored. This is episode 148, recorded on Tuesday, July 26th. We are your host, Bub, Tim, and Guy. On tonight's episode, we take a look at some of the pay-for-play premium experiences at Walt Disney World. Some we've done, some we haven't, and we'll mention, of course, our dream bucket list experiences. Before we get into that, there was a fair bit of news regarding the future of the MCU, we are also standing at the dawn of the age of Magic Band Plus, and we answer the age-old question, what is Moana's journey of water? Buckle up, Ohana. You're in for a wild ride. Tim? Quite a bit of news, uh, some of it out of San Diego and some of it out of the parks. Uh, the MCU made its triumphant return to the San Diego Comic-Con stage in Hall H uh, after three years away, and boy, did they bring it big. I think somebody... You know, must have been listening to our discussion about Marvel uh, last week and wanted to tell us that, no, Disney has not lost face in Marvel and seems to be shoving all in on it. Uh, so at the MCU panel at San Diego, we got the full slate of announcements for Phase 5, the major plot points for Phase 6, and the long-awaited Wakanda Forever trailer, along with a deluge of merch announcements and tie-in products for that, as well as the roadmap for the end of Phase 4. So, uh, quick rundown. I'm not going to get into these at all. I'm just going to give the titles and the prospective dates. And obviously, these dates are gonna, probably going to change quite a bit between now and when these movies and TV shows actually come out. But Phase 5, this is everything in Phase 5, now fully announced. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium kicks it off February 2023. Secret Invasion will be on Disney Plus spring of 2023. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will be May 2023. Echo will be on Disney Plus. This is the spinoff from Hawkeye summer 2023. Loki Season 2 already announced. Now we have a date. Disney Plus summer 2023. The Marvels. This is the Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel feature film July 2023. Ironheart coming to Disney Plus, fall of 2023. Blade reboot, November 2023. That is one that I am actually very excited for. Agatha, Coven of Chaos, Disney Plus, winter 2023. Also very excited for that one. Daredevil, born again, Disney Plus. This is a big one. 18 episodes, TVMA, spring 2024. This is the return of the Netflix daredevil character who has already made some cameos in the mcu a little bit more on that tvma rating uh as we wrap up this section of the news captain america new world order summer 2024 and that is phase five folks uh phase six we got a little bit less announced but this is the long-term road mapping fantastic four november 2024 we all knew it was coming but now it's confirmed and 
The Avengers are back. Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, May of 2025. And the second half of that Avengers saga that will close out phase six is Avengers secret wars, November, 2025. I think this is particularly interesting. It's the only one I want to talk about. Uh, unlike the DC universe, the Marvel comics universe has only had a full reset one time in its entire, you know, 50 plus year history. And that was the secret Wars storyline. Um, so I think, uh, Disney and Marvel having that be the end of their current road mapping and it being uh, an Avengers movie and a part of a two movie Avengers event similar to uh, Endgame and um, uh, what was it Infinity War was the other half of Endgame. Yeah, Infinity War. Uh, what this lets them do is take a cast of action stars who are probably going to be looking to not keep making Avengers movies forever and uh, reboot that world and introduce uh, the next generation of Avengers, you know, allow them to recast all those characters in a logical way instead of just having new people suddenly play the old people and pretend like it didn't happen. Um, other than that, we got the Wakanda Forever trailer. Uh, I know Bub is our big resident Black Panther nut. Um, I'll be honest, I am not, uh, I gotten a chance to watch this yet. I am excited for it, but... Uh, but what did you think of that Wakanda Forever trailer? I'm all in. I and I told the Ohana, give me all the smoke on here. I, I just I'm here for it. I, I thought the trailer itself and, and I, I they do have trailer um award shows. I, I this is one of the best trailers I think Marvel's ever given us. Uh, it touches on obviously Chadwick Boseman passing away. It touches on his T'Challa character. It touches on the grief, and of course, it introduces the Submariner to the MCU. Prince Namor is heavily featured in it as well. I, I I could not be more excited about the things that we saw in this trailer. I and there's a there's a very quick at the end. With someone in a Black Panther costume, and it does not look like it's M'Baku. It certainly looks like somebody closer to Shuri's build. So I am very excited about that as well. Um, so I, I think Shuri would be a great Black Panther. Uh, she was a great character in the first. And uh, I think she was in a couple of the Avenger movies towards the end as well. So yep. I, I, I'm excited for it. Um, it. It looks great, Tim. I'll be honest with you. Uh, it, and... Black Panther to me was one of those that it took a second or third viewing for me to really, I think, appreciate how great the movie is. I, this movie looks fantastic. And I, I don't want to tie this up in Marvel. We did that, I think, a couple weeks ago or last week. We kind of touched on Marvel. I'm still concerned that there's an oversaturation and they're overplaying their hand a little bit with some of this Marvel stuff. Um, but I am here for for Agatha, the Coven of Chaos, and Daredevil I'm very excited about. so Yeah, that back half of 2013. 3 to mm -hmm. uh spring of 24 yep. is the most excited I've been for a stretch of Marvel in years. Yep. Uh I'll be honest like I I we talked about it last week. Um uh, I had my concerns. I will say with this road mapping, uh you know, phase 5 and phase 6 certainly look better than phase 4. Phase 4 seems to contain significant stumbling blocks that I don't think with what they announced uh will cleanly wrap it up at all. I think phase 4 will look back on as kind of the low point of the MCU yeah. and uh, phase five hopefully means it's right in the ship. And obviously phase four was faced with challenges with COVID. 
Chadwick Boseman's death, who was obviously mm-hmm. going to be an instrumental part of uh, the MCU going forward. So uh, maybe they made the best uh, that they could with what they had. But at the same time, I think there was a number of unforced errors on their part. Um, I always had my doubts that an Eternals movie was going to make sense and that the public consciousness was going to be into Jack Kirby's grand treatise on his uh, imaginary religion or that uh, having Taiki Watiti's Thor movie entirely filmed in front of um, stagecraft uh, and without physical sets uh, was uh, the right decision. And I think both of those things have panned out to, to not be great. So, uh, but hey, at least phase four is, is wrapping up and, and on paper, at least phase five looks really, really strong. Is it safe to say that phase four's best moment to this point outside of, I think the Marvel shows on Disney plus have been great, but the, the movie portion of phase four, can we say that Shang-Chi and the 10 rings was probably the best of those oh, movies? It, it's, it's not even close. I mean, the, Unless first you're of all, including the, Spider-Man, I guess, technically. Yeah, yeah. If you're including Spider-Man, it, it's obviously Spider-Man, one of the highest grossing films of all time. Uh, very, very well reviewed. Good movie. Uh, but that is obviously a co-production with Sony, but yeah, the pure Disney MCU stuff, easily yeah. Shang-Chi, uh, fantastic film, great story, amazing action, bring in some of the most legendary Hong Kong actors who we rarely yeah. if ever see on a, a, a U.S. Hollywood screen. Yeah. Um, was a, a fantastic decision and, and made for a great movie. Um, Guy, do you have any thoughts on this deluge of Marvel news? Uh, so I'll kind of just hit on everything kind of quickly. Um, with Phase 4, I think the best thing that happened to them was COVID. Um, I don't think this was really going to be uh, you know, a, a hit for them to begin with. I don't think they had the setup to really keep up with the, the Phases 1, 2, and 3. Um, phase 5, a lot of cool stuff. Um, what I'm looking forward to most is Blade. Um, I hope, and I know he's obviously not going to star in it, but I hope they kind of sneak Wesley Snipes in there somehow, some way. I'm sure they can figure it out. Um, and then just with Marvel, I mean, the big thing they had to do here, which, I mean, it's not even a fight anymore, was, you know, beat DC still. And they, you know, they blew DC out of the water. And they, you know, they're a little... They have their hands tied with the whole Daredevil Ezra Miller thing. They can't really, you know, promote that movie right now because of him. Um, honestly, you mean, you mean should... Flash? You mean Flash Ezra Miller? You said da- yeah, Daredevil. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, when I said Daredevil, I'm sorry. I'm caught up here. Um, I mean, I think they could have tried to make a huge splash had all this stuff not happened with um, them. Um, I would have tried to have uh, Batman come in. Um, they ended up bringing in The Rock, which was okay, but yeah, Black Adam know. looks okay. I think Black Adam. Yeah, looks I, I again, okay. I have big questions. I, we're not a DC podcast, but it, right. it's very strange that DC, even at Comic Con, when directly asked by the press, would not say which version of Superman will be the antagonist right. in Black Adam. Um, if they lose Henry Cavill in that role, I mean, I, 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 I don't like- know. A foregone conclusion because how could they not just pay him to be there like whatever the cost was they would have needed it to if it move heaven and earth to get him there outside of christopher reeve we all agree that henry cable has been oh, the best yeah, superman ab- that's absolutely yeah absolutely. it's unbelievable how great he is in that role and i'm not a dc guy guy i'm not a dc guy comma guy so but i will tell you i thought black adam looks okay if you like the rock i think it looks you know like uh like a movie starring The Rock. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and one last piece of Marvel news, and in some ways, to me at least, is 
kind of the most shocking and exciting. Um, it kind of was dropped at the end of the big Marvel Hall H panel that the two Deadpool movies and uh, Critical Darling and, oh, and highly, it. highly regarded movie Logan would yep. not be going to Hulu, as has long been uh, suspected that that's where the streaming rights, once all of them sorted out with whatever they had a partnership with for, that they would end up on Hulu as they're all R-rated movies. They will be headed to Disney Plus, making the first R-rated films on Disney Plus. Um, Disney has reiterated again that everybody will have to confirm their parental settings. Um, but these are certainly Deadpool movies are not ones for kids. Uh, and sure. Logan is probably not one for kids for different reasons. Uh, it, it's it's not like a, a, a gross out movie or a movie that has uh, shocking content. It is R rated for for violence and language, but it's a very different kind of movie and probably a movie that wouldn't hold most kids attention. But uh, if you have not seen Logan, it is uh, definitely one of my favorite films of all time. Yes, go out of your way to watch it. Go out of your way to watch Logan. Even if you're not an X-Men fan, it's much more than an it's much more than a quote-unquote Wolverine movie. That's a Tim fantastic film. I I love the movie Logan. Love it. Guy, have you seen Logan? Yes, I loved it. And again, it's like that's not necessarily my genre movie too, but like you guys are saying, it's a great movie that happens to feature, you know, superhero characters. Correct. Yep. Yeah, not no, I mean it, it literally just uses the X-Men IP so that James Mangold could get it funded, but it's a it's a movie that asks the question of what if a superhero film was a serious adult drama and yeah. uh, answered that question as one of the probably top 20 films of the last 20 years. Um, so anyway, those uh, that's all the Marvel news. Uh, and hopefully now we can spend a couple weeks without getting deluged with Marvel news. We can only hope. <laughs> I doubt it, though. Disney really seems like they have shoved all in on this Marvel stuff and, and right on them. I mean. They have most of the top grossing films of all time now, and they all have the Marvel next to them. Uh, all right. Next big news item of this week. Magic Band Plus is here. Uh, by the time you are listening to this, you can purchase your Magic Band Pluses on Shop Disney starting at 10 a.m. Uh, the day you're listening to this, which would be July 27th. Prices are $34.99 with a discount available for annual pass holders and resort guests. But to qualify for that discount, you need to place your order with uh, as a park pass reservation or uh, your travel date and at least six days out from uh, your park pass reservation or travel date for resort guests. Park pass reservation for annual pass holders and travel date for resort guests. Just a park pass reservation on a day ticket or regular ticket if you're not staying at resorts will not net you a discount. Also, the discount was not confirmed uh, in the press release. Obviously, that will be known tomorrow when they go live. So Magic Band Plus, outside of it being a Magic Band that lights up and stuff, uh, what are some of the additional benefits? Well, they are a... AR bounty hunter game set in a galaxy far, far away at Black Spire Outpost at Hollywood Studios. Uh, and it will also be making its way out to the West Coast eventually. Uh, when I know I was there, if you were uh, eagle-eyed, you could see the bounty hunter symbols that had been added around uh, Galaxy's Edge. And those will be points that interact with the game. And obviously more stuff has been added. Uh, in addition to that, 
You can also interact with the Disney Fab 50 character collection. Those, of course, are the golden sculptures spread throughout the Walt Disney World Resort for the 50th. Uh, Magic Band Plus will bring the sculptures to life and guests can interact with them on the Disney Fab 50 Quest. According to the press release, this seems like it will have some component of hosting or voices at the statue with Disney legend and Little Mermaid voice actor Jody Benson. Um, this one definitely makes me think that Disney thought these Magic Band Plus were going to be ready a lot sooner because we're about halfway through the 50th and all those statues have been up, some of them since before the 50th. So if they were part of this experience, um, it's a little bit late to roll out this feature set. Uh, you also be able to experience nighttime spectaculars in a new way as you see your band light up to complement the magic in the skies, including Harmonious at Epcot and Disney Enchantment at the Magic Kingdom. And lastly, we at the Disney Guys Uncensored would just like to point out that Bub was wrong, and these are not replacing Magic Band. These are in addition to Magic Band. I do think this is a big part of this was once Disney rolled out full um, ticket features on uh, smartphones and Apple Watches, the real utility of the Magic Band started to go away. I know once the um, ticket and tap to open for the hotels and such was added to Apple Watch, I stopped wearing a Magic Band to the parks. So I'm not sure if this is enough to bring me back, but if, um, you know, if you have kids or teens or, uh, you know, just people who liked Magic Band, this might be enough to get them back on the Magic Band train and drop in that $35. Bob, you look like you got something to say. Now, like my good friend Ray Holt says, I said it, and I meant it. I stand by it. This should have been the end of Magic Bands. If anything, Tim, this is just them riding the coattails of Universal Studios in their Nintendo Land interactivity is all they're trying to do. And they're doing it at a cost plus level. That's a shout out for anybody that's local that listens. That cost plus used to be this little drugstore that sold like penny candies and stuff up at Meadowbrook Plaza. Okay. It's, it's, I did the statue interaction to me, Tim. I get what they're doing here. I understand junk, junk. It means it's meaningless. This does not. I, it's fine. I, I hope the Star Wars one is cool. I, I really do because the, the, maybe it's for the kids, Tim. Maybe it's for yeah. the kids. I, I didn't even think about the, the Super Nintendo World bands. Um, because obviously that is not open here yet in the United States. And I am sure that that functionality is going to expand into all of Epic Universe, at least here. Uh, but if if you've seen any of the videos, the interaction with the bands there at Super Mario World, this is not, you know, a little thing lighting up. This is oh. if you have these bands fully activating entire animatronic scenes, having, you know, you're jumping and hitting a coin block and the giant coin is popping out of the block and spinning, you know, the best we're going to get a, a jody benson voice clip and some lights on these statues so yeah this is this is feels like disney playing catch-up which is seems to be becoming a theme as we talk about the quote-unquote yep. innovations that disney's been doing lately that in that department they're kind of running behind universal more and more often these days guy you have uh you think you're gonna lay down the cash for a magic band plus on your next trip or got any opinions on this i know i'm gonna end up laying down the cash for it and then i kind of got just a brief over under for you gentlemen uh tomorrow they go on sale 10 a.m so let's say 11:30. 30 the the popular ones sell out uh over under a hundred dollars on ebay tomorrow 
Oh, I mean, if there's only the one Star Over. Wars bounty hunter design, which that I've seen, there's not other Star Wars ones. That one easily over a hundred. Uh, that was my that marker tomorrow. too. Yep, that's the one. So uh, next piece of news. Uh, this would be bigger news if it was more than just a p- single piece of concept art. But we did get our first look, quote unquote, at Journey of Water at Epcot. Uh, the graphic got posted on the Ohana. Uh, it was posted on Imagineer Zach Ridley's Instagram with the caption, this image is a preview of the graphic style that will be used throughout the attraction and signify the dynamic movement of water as it travels around the experience. These images will use to guide guests through the cycle of water and show the important part we play in preserving this vital resource. Uh, the image was like on this parchment-esque background with uh, turquoises and blacks. Um, the writing was uh, very similar to the papyrus script style used in the movie Atlantis, which um, certainly piqued Atlantis fan me and Bub's uh, interest. I think that is just coincidence. Uh, it would be cool if they uh, were kind of it was going to be Moana and Atlantis, but I, I doubt that uh, the graphic did basically just show the water cycle. Um, but uh, ho- hopefully we'll have more information on this soon. It, there's been some photos that were kind of snuck over the construction uh, recently, and uh, it looks like it's still a ways to go. Just dirt, uh, the, the the framework for the fake rocks and fountains, and uh, maybe some uh, some ground cover going down. But I, I think we're still a ways out from Journey of Water being anywhere near open to the public, especially since all the land surrounding it is still in open construction zone for some of the, the remaining major, major construction in that centerpiece part of Epcot. Future world. All right. All we have left some quick hitters, guys. D23 Expo, more than a month out from the event, completely sold out. Couldn't get a ticket if you wanted, even if you're a D23 Gold member, uh, with basically nothing announced for that. And between Star Wars Celebration happening this year and um, MCU having a Hall H panel for the first time in three years, uh, we have no idea what there is going to be announced there that has not already been announced so should be some exciting updates out of d23 this year cast members are now training for the return the long-awaited return i should say of the walt disney world railroad bub is pumping his fist in the background on that same trip fireworks testing is happening at phantasmic which bodes well for reopening this calendar year i think we're definitely getting a reopening in 2022 for that um, there's been too many rumors swirling. Uh, I know the re- return is imminent at, at at Disneyland, and I'm sure Disney World will follow soon after. Uh, so pretty much those are kind of the last pieces of, uh, you know, that were shut down for COVID and haven't reopened. Well, I, Walt Disney World Railroad's been shut down for several years for construction. But now with Tron testing and really just looks like waiting on the landscaping, I think the return of the Walt Disney World Railroad is also imminent. Yeah, four-year closure for the Walt Disney World Railroad. Really, really end of 2018, astounding. right? End of 2018 yep. or beginning of 2019. It, it, it's f- incredible that we're still talking about the railroad. It's supposed to be 18 months, I think, was the initial. Yes, that was the initial. I mean, I, granting everything that happened between that point and this point, I, I get it. it. It was, but yeah, man, it's been crazy. I never thought I would miss the railroad this much. I haven't been. I haven't been since it's been closed. So the next time I go, presumably it will be open, and I wouldn't be any the wiser. But the fact that it's not running to me just still blows my mind. 
Yeah, no, it's a, a very major attraction and such an iconic part of Walt Disney World to not have running for this many years. And hopefully it will run at some point during the 50th celebration, because that would just be a travesty. If it I didn't. mean, it's an iconic attraction. It really is. Uh, the Boardwalk Bakery's transformation into the Boardwalk Deli should be the new speed record for a Walt Disney World Riesling slash renovation. It closed yesterday as of us recording. So the 25th of July, and is projected to reopen in early August with an all-new menu featuring a tour of East Coast Deli greatest hits for breakfast and lunch. The menu looks pretty good. Um, I will say that their description of East Coast Deli is a little broad because you have like the Northeastern-style Italian grinders. You have like pastrami sandwiches and those New York Deli classics, but then you have like a maflata, which is from New Orleans. And when I think of like deli culture, I don't really toss New Orleans in there. But um, it what they showed looks really good. Tim, I would say, prediction time, if the food is any good at all, I think this is going to be a major hit for the boardwalk. Yeah, no, I agree. If it's remotely good, I think this place will be, ve- it'll be like Woody's Lunchbox-esque. Of the boardwalk. I mean, that's this, how that's just... they showed off pictures of the menu today and and everything looked phenomenal um, yep. from the, the breakfast sandwiches um, to to the, the main um, lunch and dinner sandwiches. Everything looked excellent. Of course, uh, it was closed as the bakery will become redundant this fall once the now closed ESPN club transforms into the Cake Bake Shop by Gwendolyn Rogers. And I want, when that place opens, everybody to exclusively refer to it by the name that Disney's using, which is Cake Bake Shop by Gwendolyn Rogers, which will be the second ever outpost of nationally lauded Indianapolis bakery and brunch spot. Jesse's Toy Chest finally has opened in Toy Story Land Marking Toy Story Land's first really heavily themed and exclusive merch spot. Um, I'm not going to lie. I uh, saw the pictures of this and I was less than impressed. Uh, I think it's cool. There is exclusive merch now for Toy Story Land, which it's crazy that we're like four or five years into Toy Story Land and they're just now getting exclusive merch and just now getting a actual full size retail location. But it was very much um, it felt very flat and painted and not uh, heavily imagineered, especially since if you look at the places that have opened since Toy Story Land in um, the stores on Adventures Campus, the stores in Galaxy's Edge and some even some of the the retheming that's been done to some of the other stores throughout the park. This just feels like a more Jesse themed version of that janitor's closet that acted as the previous merch store in Toy Story Land. Do you guys think it's fair to call Toy Story Land a disappointment? Yes. I I think I'm on the so fence. Here's the thing. No to the attractions, but to the theming and what they could have done, absolutely. I think yeah, they definitely cheaped out on the theming. I think using the excuse like, oh, it's all board game boxes and it's in right. the backyard. Gives them a reason to use the, flat box. It, yeah. Exactly. It's 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 odd. The idea of the board game boxes being in the backyard is weird because it should be outdoor toys. Um, the rides are great, obviously. We'll have to I'm, – I'm holding my judgment on Woody's Roundup Barbecue, but yeah. all the concept art has also been that style of flat cutouts and flat boxes. So I think that's going to stick with the theme we've seen. Um, 
some great rides and a fantastic quick service restaurant that's way too small. A good land does not make, especially in this day and age. The fact that we don't have a legitimate pizza planet blows my mind. And I yeah, know, that, I know that, we, that is I, absolutely. I want next the level. legit. The fact that we don't have that, and there's nowhere for them to really expand Toy Story Land into a second, even if it was a little more Buzz Lightyear themed. There's nowhere for them to go now because they, unless they move down towards One Man's Dream and Animation Courtyard, which I don't think happens. But I, I, I just, guy, I. I Absolutely, was my it came into my head, and I'm glad you said it because you can absolutely argue that they they definitely cheaped out on landscaping with the well, it's Andy's backyard, and he's using his toys. Yeah, that's kind of a crutch. I think once they knew they were going to end up spending so much money on Star Wars, I think they pulled back, and I think it shows. Right. And I mean, have either you guys seen the um all the stuff for the Toy Story Hotel that's going up in Tokyo Disney? Yeah, looks great. Yeah, I mean, looks incredible. It, you it could hopes. argue that All Star Movies has the best Toy Story Land on property. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely could. So, uh, and last for this week, uh, we have Bibbidi Boppity Boutique will now be staffed by Fairy Godmother's apprentices instead of your own personal Fairy Godmother. This opens the door, of course, to any cast member now able to work at Bibbidi Boppy Boutique instead of just female identifying cast members. So just another touch of Disney's new openness and affirming key in their core values. And Tim that is calls all the it news. Firmness in values, I call it another win for wokeness. <sighs> Bobby, you just had to get it in there, didn't you? <laughs> and with that, folks, we are on to the main event for tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking about some premium add-ons to your Walt Disney World vacation. And with that, Bub, what is a premium experience or add-on for your Walt Disney or Walt Disneyland vacation? It's a great question, Tim. Some would ask, how is a premium experience purchased? And still others would ask, why is a premium experience? And yes, that is probably Drex that said that. Um, Guy, Tim... Listen, I think the three of us have all done premium experiences. When when Guy pitched this idea last week, it was more of a let them eat cake concept, which we did evolve into kind of, we can kind of play with that. We can mold that a little bit. Um, and then it kind of, what is a premium experience, guys? I mean, some would say it's certain areas of transportation or premium experience, looking at you minivans. Uh, some would say it's just the after-hour parties or the dessert cruises that go on Seven Seas Lagoon. Still others, uh, I think Guy would agree with, like the VIP tours, or maybe it's a dining experience that you pay extra for, um, similar to something at you know uh, a chef's table at a restaurant, perhaps. I, I know that the restaurant in Japan does do Takumite. something. Takumite. Yeah, yep. Takumite they have, does uh, do something. They have something. a chef's table and they have a, the special yep. water room. Yep. And obviously we'll talk about it in a little bit. Victoria and Alberts does do a chef's table with a prefix 12-course dinner. So it's all of those add-ons that are premium experiences that accentuate your vacation because I think there's a segment of people that f say Disney nickels and dimes you. I don't think that's what this is. This, you know, going in, it's a premium extra that you are getting 
the quote-unquote white glove treatment with uh, from VIP tours to behind the scenes or the trains. Like it, it's it's stuff that you know going in is you are actively pursuing something different for your Disney vacation. And I think that's the big thing I wanted to come across. Some of this stuff, guy, is very, very expensive. And it's not for everybody, but you have to make... It doesn't affect your ability to have a great vacation if you don't do a VIP tour or you don't go to that restaurant. It, so I think that's something that I wanted to impress upon the listener before we get into it. Because some of the stuff we're going to talk about is probably out of the reach of most of our listeners and us that we're probably never going to see and or do some of these things. But I think it's important because there are options for people to do that. If you have the means to do it, you should absolutely check out. They have pages on the website of premium. Some would say, Tim, a Disney wedding has premium experiences oh, attached I, to I, it. I, so it's go, go on Reddit. If you want to, if you didn't yeah. see that saga about the, the premium add-on of bringing characters to your Disney West wedding, right. maybe in lieu of something that I wouldn't consider a premium experience, a wedding food and beverage service, uh, was a sacrifice to add premium experiences onto a now infamous Disney wedding that made the it's national a, news. It's a weird ad, to be honest. It's a weird ad. Um, but first, guys, we're going to do the premium experiences we have actually done, or at least one of them, just to talk quickly about a couple different things. And Guy, the Wheel of Doom has chosen you to go first. So one of, one of the tours that I've done is uh, the Keys to the Kingdom tour at Magic Kingdom. Uh, so it's $114 per person, uh, ages 16 plus, so it's adults only. Um, a theme park ticket is also required. Uh, Disney kind of describes it as a five-hour walking tour, uh, exploring the creation and remarkable growth of one of the most beloved parks at Walt Disney World. Um, basically, the big perks of it is it's kind of like a VIP tour on a really budgeted version of it um you do get a lot of the behind the scenes history stuff on it um you know you start the tour they really hit on the history of the windows uh they touched on who those people are why they're important to the parks um and then there is you, you do get behind the scenes uh to see some of the floats you do get a lot of backstage area access um you do go to the utilidors which is great um, it's great storytelling. Um, these aren't just regular cast members who are doing these tours. Um, they're very, very skilled at what they do. Um, I know when we went on the tour, there were about two dozen of us. There's a part in the Utilidor where I won't, you know, kind of spoil it for anybody who's going to, you know, go on that tour eventually. But there wasn't a dry eye uh, in the place. Just 24 people just bawling their eyes out at a story about, you know, Roy and Walt and everything, and um, it's beautiful. It's something I would do again. Um, what about you guys? Have you ever had any interest in uh, going on this? Uh, I personally have not. My wife uh, was supposed to take a solo trip before COVID happened, and she was trying to decide between this and the uh, Main Street, uh, Marceline to Main Street tour. Um, my question with this is um, really, especially the VIP tour, a big part of it is just a, a backdoor way to to get on a, a certain group of rides without having any weight at all, even a, a fast pass or genie plus weight. Does does this tour include the the backdooring onto certain rides or no? Yeah, so it does. So it's the backdoor to you do go on Jungle Cruise, you go on Haunted Mansion. 
Um, and I believe you go on another ride. It, it's slipping my mind right now. But that's kind of one of the perks, too, is, you know, they take you kind of backstage on the Haunted Mansion um, and then getting on to that ride. Um, it's not like super backstage. I know there's a different tour where you can kind of see how like all the Pepper's Ghost effects work. It's not really that. You're basically just going on the ride. There, There is kind of a, a brief uh, trivia history type deal before you go on the ride and you go through the backstage area for it. Um, but I mean, that's really it. It's only a couple of rides. Um, and you get a, you do get a lunch too, at like a quick service. I know when we went, um, it was, uh, Pecos Bills, which is good. Um, it's a fun tour. It's definitely something if you care about magic kingdom and the history and you love that stuff, it's definitely something I would recommend. Yeah, guys, fair point. I think I always think of the keys to the kingdom tour is for people like us or or listeners that share a passion for Disney that want a little bit extra and it's a little more accessible than some of this other hyper focused stuff, like Tim said from uh, fr- from Marceline to to Main Street and even the speci- the specificity of um, the, the behind the magic of our steam trains. It's a very particular sector that's going to do that i always saw keys to the kingdom having never been on it but read about it ben is more of a um a general base yeah a broad base you're kind of getting a little bit more background to it um and for people like us that are nuts for that type of stuff i think it works and i think for the uninitiated it's a good way to get initiated to the park and to a little more of why people love the magic kingdom so much so it's a great pick and i'm glad you guys have gone on it Tim, I just spun the Wheel of Doom again, and it turns out, through no fault of mine, it is up to you to bring us into our next tour. All right, just quick experience. question. Why are we using yeah. the Wheel of Doom to determine, as we're talking about premium experiences for our listeners, I feel like it's like a, a wheel of extra fun for your vacation, or a wheel of spending Tim, a little bit Tim, more than you want to do anything? anything we do that's extra fun on this show? Ah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, mine is, uh, I would argue, at least from a monetary perspective, I I think it's inarguable, the most accessible tour on property. That's the behind the scenes tour. This is like a hour and a half, two hour um, block off time uh, is what they say. It's it's about an hour long experience. And this takes place at Living with the Land, uh, which I thought was a universally beloved experience. I've learned over the course of doing this show and from various Disney meme accounts and stuff is a very polarizing uh, a ride, even among the, uh, the the Disney far- parks nuts like us. Uh, I, of course, have defended Living with the Land many, many times. I've uh, talked about it in many in-depth contexts. Um, oh, yeah. Basically, what this tour is, is you sign up for it at that tiny desk that's right next to the exit of Living with the Land. Uh, in the description of the tour, it even says that um, you they recommend you have ridden Living the Land prior to doing the tour to get an idea of uh, what you will experience in the tour. And it takes you through all the greenhouses plus the fish farm. Uh, and they just go into a little bit more depth about uh, some of the innovative growing techniques, uh, innovative crops they have. Uh, I know that when we were there in July, unfortunately, this tour is not running and has not restarted since COVID. In fact, most of the things we're going to talk about tonight are currently on pause. That's a fair uh, point. So 
Uh, this is a good episode probably to keep it in the bank. Uh, I think most of these things will be reopening, hopefully by the fall, uh, and if not by the fall, by the spring. But uh, most of these, Keys of the Kingdom included, uh, behind the scenes included, I think your experience, Bob, is reopened now, but I'm not 100% sure. Anyway, though, uh, yeah, so. behind the scenes, um, it's just a, it's a, it's a short little tour, an hour, an hour and a half where they walk you through. Um, it's kind of cool. You can always see the people on the behind the scenes tour from the boats and talk a little bit more about the uh, the things they're growing currently at the living with the land and how they're doing it and how they're innovating. And maybe you'll get to, uh, you know, pick something or, or hold something or touch something. Uh, and it's, it's just a neat little experience that doesn't eat up a huge part of your day. You know, somewhere our former co-host Andrew Defusco is crying that you made a reference to the land and living with the land and the behind the scenes tour, because we all know that Andrew, uh, not a fan of the land or in any way, shape or form living with the land. Uh, Tim, this is one that I've always said I want to go do, want to do it. It's right there. It's literally, you get off the ride. It's there's a kiosk right at the entrance to Soren book. your like, go do it. It's so easy. It, it's it probably the easiest tour to book. It just oh, yeah, go do sure. it. Like, and, and it, it, you know, it chaps my fanny that I haven't done it yet. It's one of those that I'd be very interested in seeing getting to go behind the scenes of some of that stuff. Um, I'm interested looking ahead to see how Guy feels about this tour. <laughs> I get but, real timeshare vibes when I think about that desk. Oh, yeah. No, the desk, big timeshare vibes. <laughs> um, it's also weird that they also just sell little air plants there. It's yeah, like it's tour odd. or air plants. Yep. Uh, or <laughs> free packets of seeds at one point also sometimes. Very specific audience there. Very specific audience. <laughs> Oh my goodness. For me, guys, it's the Wild Africa Trek. It's about 200 bucks, runs about three hours. Um, they run two or three tours a day. This takes you through Kilimanjaro Safari. It's kind of what Tim's is. What the behind the seeds tour is to living with the land is kind of what the Wild Africa Trek is to Kilimanjaro Safari. Um, it's a little bit more expensive. It's a little bit more extensive. Obviously, you're dealing with the animals. You do get some really, really great pictures above the Nile crocodile exhibit. You get to hang out with the hippos. Um, kind of, you're over the hippo pen. Really cool. You have lunch right next to the lions in the savannah. I, of course, ate none of it. They gave me an edible flower, and I didn't know whether to eat it or to shoot it. So it's just one of those things. Um you get really up close with the Chilean flamingos, which is really cool. You can walk up to their little pod of uh, the flock of fl it really just a really fun thing. It, and I guess people would argue, well, you can go on a behind the scenes tour at your local zoo or at least local aquarium. And, and I wouldn't disagree with that. I chose to do the wild Africa trek to go behind the scenes of arguably the best attraction that Disney's ever made in the wild in, in Kilimanjaro Safari. So it, it's a great, great thing. I will tell you though, it is hot as hell on this tour. And you think, Oh, well it's hot in central Florida. No, no. It, they give you a, a metal canteen of water that there's like filling stations every couple hundred feet. It is hot as hell on this tour partially partial walking partial uh, gas powered jeep 
um, tour. So lots of fun. Highly recommended. You get close to the elephants. You kind of take a different path behind the elephant pen than you do on Kilimanjaro Safari. So it's just a lot of fun, a little more in-depth than what Kilimanjaro Safari gives you. And I think it's the best way for me to sell that to you if you're a fan of Kilimanjaro Safari. And Tim, you are correct. This one is currently operational. Yeah, so um, this is one that Rach and I were going to do in 2019, but we couldn't fit into the schedule. Then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. Then on our first cultures back as a couple, it wasn't available. The first time we were there and it was available was this last trip with her extended family, so we weren't able to do it. But literally the next time that we're down as a couple, this is 100% something we're going to yeah. do. I've wanted to do this forever. I think this is of the like accessible experiences at Walt Disney World, this is by far the most appealing one to me. Yeah. Um, the one question I have, Bob, is did you do this with the boys? No, no, no. We did this pre-children, which I and, and it's I, I actually was going to say to Guy, I'd recommend him and Jordana to do it. I and I and I think you actually have to be a thirteen or fourteen to go on the tour. Yeah, okay, that totally makes more sense. I couldn't imagine yeah. doing this with little kids, but I couldn't imagine Disney wanting people to do it with little kids. But this makes, that you, makes way more sense. It's rugged, too. Like, it's, it's like the Camp Krusty Death March with kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the menu, just so we're clear, to pull it up, is a chicken curry salad with sun-dried tomato hummus and a mini pita, marinated tandoori shrimp, smoked salmon roulade with dill, an air-dried beef and prosciutto, and a fresh fruit marinated in mint and ginger. Of course, menu items are subject to change. They were not that day. I got some popcorn when we left that I did not eat any of it. Um, and it, it is, I'll tell you what, Tim, you are a foodie-ish guy more so than I am. And, and guy, I think you probably are much more adventurous than I am. You guys, this it's like it's like first class. Like it comes in like the the um oh god, what the hell's the name of the restaurant there? It's it's it comes in the Sanaa in the Pajuti. Uh, yeah, like metal the, containers. Yeah, the yeah. presentation of it all—it yep. it, just—it's really. This is a legit premium experience. And again, like guys and Tim's theme park uh, is theme park mission is required to go on the tour. You can't just go to the tour uh, that way. Um, I'm trying to just confirm the ages. So you guys, we can go to the next one real quick. And if I come across um, the the guest policies, I'll, I'll let you know. But I was pretty right. sure well, that it the, was the Wheel of Doom is actually. Picked me for first on this next one, which is premium experiences we will never do. This is stuff that we just think is not worth your time or your vacation time or your vacation dollars. Uh, and again, it, it might be right for you, but um, it, it's not something that we've ever found is right for us or our family. Uh, and, and for me, this was really easy choice. It's a dessert party. Um, I, I've always uh, said I, we're not fireworks family. Uh, we we oftentimes use um, that time to 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 do low wait times or watch them if they're available, but not make a big thing of it um, at the Magic Kingdom. And I think dessert parties, even back in the day when they were a little bit cheaper, were uh, not really worth it. It was basically a way to get people to pay a very premium price per person to uh, sit in a reserved area for the fireworks and not have to reserve their spot a couple hours early. But ever since, I think I want to say 2017, 2018, when they revamped dessert parties to be dessert plus all you can drink beer and wine plus uh, all you can eat hors d'oeuvres 
and they really ratcheted the price up. I think the cheapest dessert parties now, I think the, there's one at Epcot that's going to be $65 per adult. And uh, I believe the one of the two in the Magic Kingdom is is over $100 per adult. There's just no way that you can justify the 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 what you get for what you pay. Um, even if this is your you're making this your meal for the night, even if you think you're going to have, you know, five or six, quote unquote, free drinks at the open bar. I just don't think with the amount of time that they allow for a dessert party that there's any way to get your money's worth, even when you account for the fact that, you know, you're getting, quote unquote, premium seating for the fireworks. And those areas have been moved around. Now it is, uh, you know, the Tomorrowland Terrace seating. And I think one area on the hub that's roped off. Uh, it, it, I don't know if either you guys have ever done one of these, Guy, Bub? No. So I completely agree with you here. Um, I mean, the Fantasmic dinner party is something different. That's more of an experience. This is just a money grab. I mean, at the end of the day, if you really want the your perfect place at the fireworks, you, you show up two hours early for free and wait. Or you just do what everybody else does. You wait until 10, 15 minutes before, and you'll always get a surprisingly great view of the fireworks, no matter what, from the hub. Uh, it's definitely a waste of money. And Guy, you yeah. brought up a good point. I am not – a dessert party is distinct from the quote-unquote dining experiences or the dining packages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they have always done those for whatever the nighttime spectacular is at Epcot and Fantasmic. And what those let you do is choose from a um, group, any of the, the one-credit table service restaurants – and basically get a prefix meal of you choose an appetizer, entree, dessert, mm-hmm. and drink from there, and then you get a reserved seating for those. That is just uh, I mean, if you were planning on going to one of those for dinner anyway, and also wanted to see a nighttime spectacular, those are probably worth it. Uh, also, the the dining packages for candlelight processional and some of the eat to the beat concerts uh, for food and wine at Festival of the Arts. Those are almost necessary for some of the higher profile uh, performers for those and also a, a good use of your time and money. Uh, this is specifically these all you could eat hors d'oeuvre dessert and uh, open bar events that they have for all the nighttime spectaculars that are lightly themed. Bub, I guess you've also never done one of these. Garbage, garbage, no use. And I watched the fireworks from Fantasyland. And uh, and Magic Kingdom. I don't worry about the front of the castle. I just I sit in the back and watch the fireworks. Yeah, I mean, I'm it, much it, much more of a fireworks guy than I am the laser show on the castle, especially when they're running the laser show pretty consistently throughout the night with the the projections and stuff. I I much rather be in Fantasyland. It's a tougher exit from the park, but it also allows you to kind of sneak in some last minute Fantasyland stuff once the fireworks are over because you're in a much more premium location. Uh, that's that's the tip of the day. Watch the fireworks from Fantasyland. Um, but yeah, Excellent dessert tip, parties. I'm out on dessert parties, Tim. Absolutely not for the cost and not for the benefit. I don't know that the cost and benefit, uh, the cost to benefit ratio is there for me. I will agree though that any of those dining packages you get, those are exceptional for a benefit to cost ratio uh, with the seating. We've done the Fantasmic one, and the seating you get is is top of the line, like center stage. And you could just Great. show up right as it starts. And, and yeah, and you have guaranteed a seat. Yeah. So once you're done with dinner, you say, hey, I'm here, and they bring you to the section, and that's it. That's it's a great way to see and it. somehow that is literally cheaper per person for an entire meal at a sit down restaurant than yeah. even the cheapest dessert party. 
Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's un it's it's unbelievable, really. Yeah, really night um, and day. I'm that I totally forgot about those, but those are a great add-in experience. Those were a great value. Yeah. And I think that's what the biggest thing of this topic is, Tim, is it's it's benefit to cost ratio, I think, is a is a lot of what this episode is about. Even though we haven't really talked about it that much. Rest assured if Andrew was here, there'd be a spreadsheet about how much things cost and a scale of one to ten on the value perceived <laughs> and we would be somewhere in the middle on some venn diagram um but yeah dessert parties i'm out tim i agree with you 100 percent no right, wheel I'm- of doom picked me <laughs> i again very much like tim's disclaimer about the des about the dessert parties i need to put the disclaimer here that specifically for me the chef's table 12 course dinner at victoria and albert's not not useful in any way to me it's i will never do it will never do it my kids don't eat enough i eat less than they do um megan probably would like it and even then some of the some of the the choices are very esoteric unless you're really into like seafood and it's and it's only seats i think 16 people or or less so it's a tough ticket to get as it is um for me I'm never going to Victoria and Albert's and I'm definitely never going to the chef's table at Victoria and Albert's, but I do know people that have done Victoria and Albert's and love it. I don't really know anybody. I don't think that's ever done the chef's table, Tim, but uh, it's just not what I'd rather go to the contemporary and go to the lounge, which whatever the uh, California grill and do that. than I would rather than I'd go to Victoria and Albert's. It's just, it's just me, just me. So I'm just the opposite. I, I as the foodie of the show, um, Rachel and I actually just uh, over the weekend we're in New York City mainly to do a, a, a 12 course tasting menu at a Michelin starred restaurant for our anniversary. Uh, and Bob, just so you know, if you if this is totally on my bucket list, um, at a restaurant like this with the tasting menu, they'll contact you beforehand and they'll ask oh, you correct. what your preferences yeah. are, if you have any dietary restrictions, allergies, so you could tell them, you know, uh, so. A steak. So I'll start with chicken nuggets. I'll get a hot dog. I will take some a side of fries, and then I bring me the biggest fillet you can find, and just give me that four different times. Is that what you're telling me I can do? Yeah, I mean you can tell. I, I no vegetables. We we no none. cream sauces. Uh, no, basically, nope. none of the stuff you're playing. We don't none of that. No, none of that. Just, no, just bring me twelve the meat. tiny fancy little arrangements of uh, hot dogs, chicken nuggets, and steak. That's all I'm looking for. Is it so much to ask, Guy? Is it so much to ask? I think it is. Uh, this is definitely something that uh, me and Jordana are going to do eventually, too, on one of those kids-less trips that we keep talking about but never happen. Um, I mean, it is. You're going to go in. You're going to drop two grand easy on the meal itself. Uh, but it is a complete experience, kind of like mm-hmm. what Tim did this weekend. Um, and then just the things that sound weird, those are the best things. Those are the things that you're never, ever going to eat again in your entire life. I mean, you've eaten steak probably 100 times a year. Maybe not 100 times a year. That's a bit <laughs> outrageous. <laughs> like, you know one what one of every three days, guy is eating a steak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it shows. No, but <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of this stuff is just – Things you wouldn't think you would do, and then you have a world-class chef making it. I guarantee you, you would love 10 out of 12. Guy, I guarantee you I wouldn't try 10 of the 12 things that he put on the table, just so we're clear. I would eat the bread. And even that you might not eat. I like the bread service, Tim, which blows your mind. I like the bread service at Sanaa. I, I 
so it's one of those things where give me some sort of carb bread and I'm in. But yeah, you give me you give me uh, you know lamb shank and I'm like no, I don't think so. You know, and it's not for me. You pass that to the next guy. Bring me more rolls. It's just one of those things. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, guy, of course, the wheel of doom landed on you here, and this is where it gets interesting. So this 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 ride or attraction or add-on um, has been trashed by uh, hosts better than me in the past, so I won't go too deep on it. Uh, my pick is actually the behind the seeds tour, which Tim there loves. Uh, the reason, the whole reason that this is my pick is it's a point that Tim touched on uh, during his little presentation. It's riding living with the land prior to the tour. We'll give you a preview of what to expect. And what they're saying is we take a 15 minute ride. We extrapolate it to an hour. You walk instead of ride on a, a boat and then we charge you $40 and then we kick you out and you go on your day with your seeds. Um, I mean, it's, is it, I love living with the land. I never skip it. I've never skipped it once, not one time, but what a ripoff. I mean, to quote the great Pee Wee Herman, I lived it, you know, in 11th grade, environmental science, environmental studies, excuse me. We did all this stuff. We had greenhouses. We had the fish tanks. That's it. That's all this is. There's nothing special about it. And yet they rope dopes every day into forking over $40 a person. It is unbelievable for a ride you can go on with no weight. You could just go on the ride four times in a row. And when they're like, "Um, excuse me, sir, don't you want to get off the boat? You're like, no, one more time. And they'll be like, all right, sir, do you want to move rows because it's available? No, I'll stay where I am, thanks. Guy, the million-dollar question is, how does living with the land play at night? Uh, it's definitely better at night, undisputed. <laughs> Johanna has spoken. A lot of nocturnal fish in that fish hatchery. <laughs> uh, Tim, anything here? I, I've got nothing. That was um, brilliant. I mean, I dis, I disagree with it, but it was brilliant. I, I, I love that. I, I think, I think the problem is, uh, guy hasn't been on the show for that long. He may not be familiar with um the four and a half hour original Earth Day episode <laughs> in which I explained that. Scientists from Beijing working with scientists from America were able to grow thousands of tomatoes on a single tomato plant that they had cultivated into a tree. And you get to see that up close. A tomato tree that has the Guinness World Record for producing the most tomatoes on one plant in history. Um, And that's a priceless experience. So... I just think it might be his unfamiliarity with the 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 wonder of, of nature and science that is that specific tomato tree that I talked about for like 20 minutes four years ago. Is it unfamiliarity or is it just he doesn't care? I'm going to go with unfamiliarity. <laughs> okay. All right. I We apparently could do a Battle of the Hosts, the land edition. Tim, I, I like get everybody back. We'll, we'll have a roundtable discussion on just living with the land, and I that would be gold because I guy, thank you for that moment, and Tim, I, I love the fire back. This is this is fantastic. Um, we're gonna go now, I think, unless you unless you guys have more to say about that lovely behind the scenes tour, we're gonna go to the bucket list experience, which this I think is different for all three of us. And obviously everything's, but I think it's different in terms of how we approached 
this topic in particular. And I think the next one too. But this one here in particular, the Wheel of Doom has landed on me first. I will tell you that a bucket list premium experience for me is the Galactic Star Cruiser, the Halcyon, the Star Wars Hotel. And you're saying to yourself, well, that's very accessible. You can do that. I still have a problem plunking down four grand for a two-day vacation. So to me, this is a very premium experience um, that is diff- a different take on a premium experience than I think my co-hosts are going to talk about soon. And, I, and I'm glad that they are talking about the two things they are because those are also on my list. But then I kind of wanted to make sure that we understand that for all of the crap that we gave Star Wars Galaxy, that all the crap we gave about the Star Cruiser, and well, not us, but people in the Disney know gave to the Star Cruiser, I don't think that it's as bad as as people originally thought. Tim? No, I. but I think a big part of that blame falls directly into Disney's lap. Oh, correct. The, the, correct. the videos they made leading up to it to hype it up were just downright embarrassing it was obvious that the hotel itself wasn't done yet when they filmed them so yeah i mean once those first press trips happened and it was pretty overwhelmingly positive press it it did get a big turnaround and and now they're kind of running into a different problem which is that many of the people who had the ability to drop four to six thousand dollars for their families to go on it have now been on it and now they are seeing a drop off in attendance starting in the the mid fall of this year but it hit, it certainly seems like it was a much more successful experience than, you know, everybody, us included, kind of predicted because Disney had some stinkers of press for this thing. I, I think we nailed it. If And I'd have to go back and listen to the tapes. But I, our concern was never the initial people wanting to go. It was how does Galax, how does the Star Cruiser sustain that? over its lifetime because this isn't a temporary thing this isn't just a party they can discontinue this is a hotel that they built for the specific purpose of going on a two night vacation for premium dollars and we've always said how do they sustain people coming back well i will i I will say they are sending out a survey now to people who have been on it Yep. Um, that talks about uh, different storylines and yeah. stuff. So it does sound like they're looking at, uh, not to give anything away, because that's a huge part of uh, the experience, uh, but it, it your your vacation, you are immersed in the middle of a mm-hmm. Star Wars storyline. And, yep. and the reason uh, that they're not seeing repeat customers is once that storyline is played out, uh, going at it again would really not amount to much because you know exactly what was going to happen hour by hour over the course of your vacation. Right. So uh, they do probably, probably we will see uh, a, a change in the story that they're telling with the hotel and, and probably some light retheming um, at probably next year or so. Uh, but I for me, that, that is the, that is the premium bucket list experience thing I'd like to do with my boys. And I, I would obviously like Meg to go, but I'm reasonably sure she doesn't want to. Um, so it, it is what it is. But she can come along if she'd like. I'll, I'll, ta- um, I'll take her bunk bed if, uh, see, if, if, if. I like it. I'm like, hey, my kids love you. They would love to go with Uncle Tim to, to Star Wars. They would love it. They they think you know everything about Pokemon and Star Wars. That partially is my fault because I tell them you know everything about Pokemon and Star Wars. And when they ask me a question, I say, no, call Uncle Tim. But, but they've but never you're not, called you're not, you yet. You're not necessarily wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, guy, Wheel of Doom says you're next, and I'm I'm excited because this is, I think, 
the the experience that we all as Disney nuts want to do. So yeah, so I think I picked a pretty used one here. So I picked VIP tour. Um, so what you're gonna do is it's a seven to ten hour commitment. Uh, it's up to ten guests. Um, in the off season, it's typically about four hundred and fifty dollars an hour. Um, in peak season, you're looking at about seven fifty an hour. Um, this is four fifty to seven fifty an hour. If there's one person or ten people, um, you're kind of paying for the experience here. Uh, just to give like kind of quotes on it, basically, um, in off season, you're looking at um, you know, thirty one hundred for seven hours, forty five hundred for ten. And then peak season, you're looking at about 5,200. So it's not a bad thing if you can get, you know, four couples together or you have kind of a multi-generational trip, uh, you know, parents, grandparents, things like that. When you kind of break it down per household almost, um, it is a little bit more affordable. Again, um, touching on what I said earlier about the cast member you're going to get, um, it's the cream of the crop. It's not like you're going to get, uh, you know, someone from Pernocchio's Village filling in that day um it's gonna be you know someone who has every an answer to every question basically um what you're getting with the vip experience is just basically unlimited fast passes you get to set your schedule up kind of in advance uh what you're trying to hit as far as rides are concerned and they're going to make sure you get kind of everything you want to do why are you taking a shot at the cast members that work at Pinocchio Village House. I think he, people. I think he's just saying that, you know, it's not <laughs> going to be an attractions cast member. It's going to be, this is the tour for Disney fans in the know that's led by the plaids. These are, these are the elite of the elite cast members. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you get a little pin when you start the tour and everybody with the pin basically gets whatever they want as long as they are continuing to pay that 450 to 750 dollars an hour and and if, if what you want is none of the stuff that we we love here the history the magic the the lore the behind the scenes if you just want hey get me fast pass on all the popular rides as many as i can in that seven to ten hours they will do that for you or if you want them to show you brick by brick what happens in main street and the castle, and they will also show you that. It, it's it's really the ultimate customizable experience in any Disney park. Uh, and, and I think, as, as you said, Guy, a true bucket list item for any Disney fan. But why did we take this shot at the poor cast members at Pinocchio Village House? You're not going to get a college intern for it. Yeah, I mean, nothing against them. I mean, they do a they do a fantastic service over at the Pinocchio Village, but uh, not someone you want probably uh, running your tour. The people who check to see if your uh, your quick service order is uh, prepared enough for you. Um, and then thing again, you're going to tell me is that a male cast member can't be a cast member at the Bippity Boppity Boutique. Guy. We already covered okay. that. They can now. They can. Four years of musical theater. We all did makeup. I was the best at doing it. So ask. Any of the girls of Coventry High School circa 2003 to 2007, they all came to me. If you wanted a shadow done, I was the guy. Did um, you do a smoky cat eye? Oh, absolutely. Obviously. Um, but again, too, uh, touching on something we talked about earlier with dessert parties, uh, there is a ex super exclusive uh, spot for fireworks that's only open to VIP tour members, Club 33 members, and then those who live at Golden Oak. 
Uh, so very exclusive fireworks area as well. As that sounds did. like Guy is becoming a professional tease meister here. Because uh, mm. the Wheel of Doom has spun to Tim, who is going to talk about one of those things. And then I believe Guy's most ridiculous premium experience ties into that as well. So a professional tease from Guy. Tim, what do you have for your bucket list experience? Well, I kind of misunderstood this. I, this is like definitely bus, bucket list for me. It, both my podcast mates chose things that like realistically you could do. Like it would be That's expensive, fair. but it, it, you figure it out and you, you save. You, realistically, a middle class family could do a VIP tour or, or take a trip on the Star Cruiser. Uh, mine is truly my Disney bucket list item, and that is having a Club 33 membership. This is just the ultimate in Disney fandom. The perks are, uh, you know, access to the club in all the parks uh in this around the world uh the club is a private club with a bar and sitting room and um you know lounges and stuff it also includes uh you know the highest level of annual pass for the club member and their spouse as well as a large group of day tickets and gate passes uh, for them to give out as their at their discretion uh, and a slate of um, events that are open only to members. But really what this is, is, um, you know, a lot of times the the ultra wealthy will join a yacht club or a golf club in a, in a prestigious area. And um, this is kind of that. But for Disney fanatics, uh, unfortunately, it is, uh, I believe, Fifty thousand uh, dollars initiation fee, and then I believe ten to twenty thousand dollars, somewhere in that range, a year to maintain your membership. But even if you have that kind of mem- uh, money, the wait list for Club Thirty Three at this point is many, 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 many years long. Uh, and at this point, it seems that most of the people who are actually getting the invitation to join are uh, celebrities who are already in the Disney family. Um, So this, I don't have much hope of ever uh, joining. My best hope is uh, to befriend someone who knows someone who is a Club 33 member to allow uh, a day pass. I do know a couple people who have been granted the opportunity to go in and and look around. And, uh, you know, you are not allowed to take pictures, even if you're a member. But, uh, you know, go in and... uh, have a cocktail at the lounge and uh, experience it. It is it, definitely my bucket list item because there's no way I will ever become a Club 33 member myself. I'm going to call Cool Runnings here, Tim. You go get your Buckingham Palace, Yule Brenner. You yeah. go get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tim, obviously, I think Club 33, for anyone that knows what Club 33 is, that is the bucket list of bucket list items that I think any disney fanatic would really really like um guy i just because we know where we're going next and we're going with the how ridiculous is this premium experience you have golden oak down on that and i just want to kind of tie that in here for you now because are you saying that the golden oak buy-in and everything that comes with it is ridiculous or are you just saying like out of this world like it's just insane because they um, kind of tie together. It kind of ties together, but I'm saying it's it is insane. 
Um, so with Golden Oak, you got to figure, I mean, I don't know if you guys, and I kind of have uh, some comps here. Are you guys, uh, you know, where else um, can you buy a dream for a dollar type people? I know Mega Millions tonight, it's like 800 million. Yeah, classic Ray Charles reference. Love it. So, I mean, like, so for me, like a lottery ticket is worth it because I know I'm never, ever going to win. But with $2 for a half hour, I will sit down. I'll look at the house I'm going to buy. I'll look at the car. Not with an attitude like that guy. (laughs) And for $2, I mean that you buy, you know, a half hour, hour of entertainment. So. But even with the possibility of millions and millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, one place I would never consider buying a home is in Golden Oak. And while there is some cool perks, they have like their own little concierge service. Um, There's a real, you know, fancy clubhouse where they all the celebrities hobnob and they have, you know, Christmas parties, things like that. I mean, that's what it is. And you're, you're paying for an exclusive eyes wide shut kind of uh, atmosphere. Um, So just to give you a comp here. So right now there's only one house for sale in all of Golden Oak. It's six bed, six bath, uh, 9,000 square feet. That's going for nine and a half million dollars in celebration, Florida, which is kind of their, you know, Walt Disney dream wonderland town. um, There's a five bedroom, seven bath, 8,840 square foot house for sale for 2.3 million. And it's essentially the exact same house. So you're paying quadruple the price just to quote unquote live at Disney. Um, I mean, aside from seeing the fireworks of all the houses, it's just, it's a giant ripoff Um, amongst all the things that our giant ripoffs at Disney. This is by far the most outrageous one. This is just for the ultra wealthy uh, to be able to say, oh, I have a house at Disney, basically. It's not the average Joe, certainly could never dream of living in Golden Oak. It's ex CEOs of Walmart, etc. Those are the type of people who own property at Golden Oak. And on, top coupon of, day. on top of that, could you imagine? Uh, Florida is already a place that is known for draconian HOA policies. Uh, Florida is one of the states where your HOA can actually evict you even if you're up on your mortgage for breaking HOA policies. Could you imagine if the Disney company was your HOA, the kind of rules that you have to follow and and, and standards of upkeep and, and what, you know, what kind of decor you could have in your lawn and visible through your windows if, if, if Disney is calling the shots for your house on Disney property. They would really hate when I walk out to bring the trash to the street in my undershorts. Yeah, my, my understanding is most of the homes in Golden Oak, despite being, uh, I believe, the cheapest one in the initial sale was still over $3 million, and they go up to like $13, $14 million. They are almost all, as Guy said, uh, vacation homes for the ultra ultra wealthy yeah. people who just don't want to have to worry about if somebody if they want to go to disney that they could just go to their disney place i mean this is this is a billionaire's playground within the confines of the walt disney world property i think that covers it but guy you never answered the question what if we have a coupon day uh, so coupon day isn't isn't going to pay for that exclusive bus that they have to the magic kingdom you know what i mean if you want to be bus stop number one, you better plunk down nine and a half million dollars. It is pronounced motor coach. That's true. Pardon you me. also, also, you do get 
full use of the facilities at the Waldorf uh, Astoria Orlando. Yes, you as, do. Uh, as a because it is technically on Golden Oaks property. If we can agree, the Waldorf Astoria, Astoria Orlando is actually a beautiful resort. Yes, I, I believe I, I believe it's come up on the show before, but none of Disney's deluxes are actually. The, up to the standards of a modern luxury hotel. And if no. you are a, a, a rich, fancy person who does want to stay at a true five-star hotel, you are probably staying at the Waldorf Astoria Orlando over the yeah. Grand Floridian. Yeah. Tim, Wheel of Doom chose you. Uh, which brings us to a very similar thing. Uh, Adventures by Disney, Disney's premium travel experience company, announced, I think, last month or maybe the month before, that they are now offering a 24-day, $110,000 per person, adult or child, uh, private jet tour around the world. Uh, And this takes you to every Disney park within those 24 days. But of course, between Paris and Shanghai, that would just be one very, very long flight. So there's actually two stops in between there, and that is a stop in Agra, India, home of the Taj Mahal, and Cairo, Egypt, to see the Great Pyramids. Um, this is sounds ludicrous, but uh, I, when this first was announced, I kind of looked into it. This is apparently not an uncommon thing. In fact, um, many luxury travel companies offer these private jet tours around the world. Uh, and, you know, the interesting thing about this Disney one, though, and, and what I think makes it totally ridiculous is you are paying uh, what it seems to be around the going rate, if not a little bit less than the going rate for this uh, this experience, which is really catered toward wealthy retirees. Uh, but instead of seeing things like the Great Wall of China and the Eiffel Tower I, you do see the periods, you do see the Taj Mahal, which is kind of included in all of these private tours around the world. But uh, I feel like you would want to see like the cultural sites in these places, the things that you can't see anywhere else, instead of just taking a 24 day trip to all of the Disney parks. Um, I feel like there's just better ways you could do that than spending a day or two at each one and then hopping back on a jet and flying around. Also, the accommodations other than the Egypt and the uh, Taj Mahal are at uh, Disney hotels. And um, in the interesting part is they are all like the second best hotel at each of these properties, which seems truly ridiculous to me. So it's the Disneyland hotel, not the Grand Californian. It's the Grand Floridian, not um, the Polynesian or um, the Beach Club or Yacht Club. It's uh, the Tokyo Disney Hotel, not the Costa Del Mar. So it, it's just odd to me, too, that it's not the like best hotel on a given property. It's like the consensus second best hotel. Uh, you will be eating well because the uh, the jet is staffed with uh, your a, a set, a, a team of private chefs, as well as a doctor who uh, will be taking care of you uh, over the course of your trip. But yeah, it just seems like a big outlay for what ends up being uh, a very, very long and fancy Disney trip. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't it sell out? It did. It's oh. also limited to, I think, 70 people 
Yeah, no, it wasn't a, a huge group, but it. it and I, I don't believe it's all on one trip. I think it's seventy people total on like yeah. multiple trips. And it was Air Iceland that was providing. Air Iceland is the is the charter. Yeah, uh, but it's. Um, oh, sorry. The one thing though that I do think is truly, truly special about this is um, one of the the staff members listed on the plane is an Imagineer. So you will have an Imagineer at all times on your tour. Um, to kind of act as the ultimate VIP tour guide. And, um, oh, sorry, there is one other non-Disney uh, resort stop, and that is in uh, Northern California. Uh, you do get to go to the Skywalker Ranch. Yeah. Uh, so that is a, a bucket list item, although you can apparently do that by buying a $5,000 cocktail on the Disney Witch Drew, we're going to get Drew to buy that and go. That's that's his that's his goal is to buy the cocktail and then go to the Skywalker Ranch. So I definitely did this differently than you guys did. <laughs> Seems like it, Bob. I've been waiting to hear this all night. So the most ridiculous premium experience you can get at Disney World is clearly the Bippity Boppity Boutique. Now hear me out on this. It is 700 degrees. You're buying basically a Halloween costume that you can get at Walmart or Spirit of Halloween for 20 bucks. And I have never seen one child come out of this and not be completely melting down within an hour of being out of the Bippity Bobby Boutique. It has to be, unequivocally, the most frustrating, worst value for your dollar you can get on a premium experience from disney it's 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 guy doing your uh your, your makeup and your hair thanks guy didn't know that about you until tonight okay you're getting a a literal halloween costume and then you go walk around central florida now i know there's people saying to me right now but bub they get to go meet the princess dressed as the princess listen we're not in the goddamn matrix i don't know what the hell's going on here okay at the end of the day all I know is the Pirates League was a joke and they closed that down, thank God. And the Bippity, the Bippity Boppity Boutique is the single greatest cash grab in Disney history and every one of you fell for it. That's all. That's it. Not this. I no, mean, I mean, we got we to respect that mic drop, man. I yeah. mean, I think I'm going to say Disney disagrees because they put a Bippity Boppity Boutique in every Everywhere. possible location they the could. Cruise ships have them. I know. I know. Hotels. It's printing money. It's literally printing money. Every one of you fell for and it. I don't know what to tell you. I would bet of everything we talked about, including Keys to the Kingdom, Behind the Seeds, and Wild Africa Trek, probably the three most popular tours. Yeah. That more people do Bippity Boppy Boutique than all three of those combined. 100%. Without question. That's not even in question. That's 100%. That's part of my problem. Tim, do you think everyone this, fell for it? Do you think this is coming just from a, a, a man with two boys, and that's why he Plausible. doesn't get it? Plausible. It could be. Plausible. I do agree, though, because I I cannot help but notice how miserable some of these like very very young girls, like three four year old girls, look coming out because they do like the pancake child beauty right. patch makeup, and mm -hmm. then they're in a entirely polyester dress with like big poofy sleeves super long 
and then it's 97 degrees. So I and the hair is all uptight in an updo. Yeah. So it like, is. I can't imagine how those. Is it for the little girl or is it for you, Muriel? Like, what are we doing here? These poor girls. It's like that. It's 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 like these little girls that that do the dance competitions. That it's like, <clears throat> like their hair's in a bun, and you can tell they're not comfortable. I just you're walking around Central Florida in a Halloween. Listen, I've got pictures of my kids when we went Halloween time. They were frigging miserable in the costumes. One was dressed as Woody. One was dressed as Buzz. You gotta understand, we live in the Northeast. Halloween costumes usually come with like long sleeves. I, I don't know how any. It is the most ridiculous, overrated experience on Disney property. I stand by it. That's our show for this week. We do hope you enjoy it. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please reach out to us, the Disney Guys Uncensored. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, tell a friend. We'll see you next week. Good night, everybody. 